when it comes to me, when it comes to being caught. Yeah, I don't need that. I got this. I got my Brittany mic on. I got my Brittany mic on. All right, when it comes to me and being cold, pretty goes out the window. I don't care about being pretty. I'm the type who will wear a big North Face jacket underneath or over a beautiful dress if I'm going out. I just can't stand being cold. So this church is very cold this morning. It is such a privilege um, to share. I mean, any time it's a privilege, but probably one of my all-time favorite topics is this topic that I'm going to speak on today, and that is fellowship with the Father. And honestly, fellowship with the Godhead period um, is just a priceless and privileged thing for me to to share on. Um, And uh, there are a couple things today that I know very specifically the Holy Spirit said, I want you to share on this, this, and this. And I want you to speak out and I want you to say this because there are certain people that are here that these are going to be keys that unlock something in their minds that stop them from coming close to me. And I've always said this. I've said, you know, God's judgment is this. He will judge anything that stands in the way of us receiving his love for us. So when God comes to judge, it is simply he looks and he says, I'm wanting to adjust something here in your heart. So that when, that when that thing is taken care of, you will be able to step forward and you'll be able to receive so much more of my love for you. It doesn't change God's love for us because that's always stable and always secure. So I'm going to speak a little bit on that. But um, I'm, I want to invite you right now into an atmosphere of heaven. Where the Godhead, and I might cry because it is, it is, it is, it is a priceless thing to be a part of. And it is an intimate conversation that takes place between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And um, the one turns around to the other and looks at him and goes, and it doesn't matter which one. He could be Father to Son, and he goes... You're so beautiful. You're you're so amazing. Wow. I could stare at you. I could just stand and watch you all day. And and the honor and the love that comes out of of the one to the other. And And then the son turns around to the Holy Spirit and goes, Wow. You're just the most remarkable thing I've ever been around. Wow, I feel so safe in your presence. There's no fear here. I have such a place where I belong. And Holy Spirit turns around to Father and goes, Wow, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever laid eyes on. And it is this, it is a a purity of atmosphere and a sense of belonging and a place where there's no rejection no possibility of abandonment, where they are fully known for who they really are and fully loved and accepted. And if you go into John 17, I really, I ask you, I I plead with you, in your time alone with the Lord, 
that you spend time in John 17. If you struggle with intimacy with Father, intimacy with Jesus, intimacy with Holy Spirit, you go to John 17. And um, I'm going to read just a few lines here. He says, your son thanks love so that the son may glorify you for you gave him all authority over flesh so that he may give eternal life and he says what is eternal life he says to know the father that's eternal life to know that so can you can you picture jesus he turns around to the person that he loves the most he goes dad Glorify me, put on me, put in me what is in you, so that when people see me, they see you, and they'll come to you. If, if they can only see you, they will stream to you. And unfortunately, so much of what the church has done and what religion has done, they have made Father into this authoritarian and harsh and critical standoffish being that is out to zap you when you've done something wrong. And if you cannot perform, then you're not good enough for him. And if you mess up, then you're nothing but a screw-up. And you know, this, this last week, as I was, I was in South Carolina, and um, I was sitting on a porch of a friend of mine, and my daughter has a little bathing suit that has these beautiful flowers all over it and it was it was hanging up getting dry and as I was sitting there by myself reading my word <clears throat> this beautiful hummingbird flew and it, that hummingbird was as close to me I'm standing here as Wayman is and it came down and it saw those flowers on that bathing suit and for about 10 minutes I'm not exaggerating that silly little hummingbird darted in and out of those flowers and then would, you know, come back and and come back and put its little beak a little bit more and come back and fly to the other side of the bathing suit and, you know, trying to suck something out of the bathing suit that was supposed to give it nourishment. And Holy Spirit spoke to me and he goes, that is what the church has taught about me. That I am beautiful, that I am to be feared, and, and, and when the church comes into this atmosphere of religion, and they try and take, you know, it's like you're trying to get acceptance, and you're trying to get love, and you're trying to get value from the system that whose boss is a taskmaster, whose boss says, okay, try here, Sorry, you could never live up to it. Oh, well, I get, you know, it's not even worth it you tried. Because basically, I mean, even when it comes to temp- the nature of temptation, you tempt, 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 fall into sin, slaps you over the head for falling into sin. You'll, ne- you'll, you'll just never be good enough. And he said, 
And it, it's, it's this lack of nourishment. You, you go to a dead system to get something that your heart was created to receive nourishment and value and true, authentic sense of belonging, a peace inside of your soul where there's no fear of rejection, no fear of abandonment. <coughs> and so in, in John 17, you know, there's this dynamic going from the, the one Godhead to the other, and I, I call it the holy love triangle. And then Jesus says, you know, in John 17, don't go there. He says, Father, like, I have given them glory that you have given me. May they be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, and um, so that the world may know that you've sent me. And he carries on, he goes, God, I just desire for them to be with me because it's all about, it's basically what he's doing is this. Jesus is saying, Dad, what we share here is so amazing. And as I draw them in to what we have, when others see them truly getting it, that they are so loved, that they are so valued, that they are so, um, they're, they're, they're beautiful beyond compare. When, other, when, when the church really, really gets it, where religion starts, stops going in our heads of you're a bunch of dirty, rotten sinners saved by grace. We were sinners. We're saved by grace. We're the righteousness of God. We're made in his image, and we're beautiful beyond compare. And when you start to get a sense of your value, how, like my brother was speaking the other day about, you know, the creator stands back and he's on his work, and he goes, oh, so, I, I'm so proud of my work. And religion says we're supposed to go, oh, you know, it's not, not me, it's all of him. And there is that heart of honor. And there is that heart that says, God, you, you know, even, even the gifts that you've given me and the talents, I wouldn't have if you didn't give me. But you know what? I have those gifts and talents. And I'm meant to shine in those gifts and talents. Every single one of you have got something that God has created and designed you for. There's gifts, there's talents, even your personality goes along with your calling. Don't try to be like somebody else. Don't think, I wish I could be, do that and do that. No. Find out what it is you're created to do. Because when you do that, you, it's, like, it's like Jesus saying, Father, glorify me so that you can be glorified. You're supposed to be the best in what you're called to do. If you sweet streets, you're supposed to be the best freaking sweet streeper there... No, sweet, sweet... Street sweeper there is. If, you, if you're a bank, stock, trade, market, or whatever, you're supposed to be the most ah, influential best in your job that you're supposed to do. And if God has got a calling on you to be wealthy, then you better be wealthy. And you use your wealth for the kingdom of God. God doesn't care that you have stuff. God cares if stuff has you. It's religion that says you're not supposed to have stuff. You know what? Yeah, the jacket comes off. <laughs> I'm getting warm. 
there's the Latino crowd. Take it off, take it off. If you see a shepherd king come over the hills and he's decked out in the finest apparel and he's got anointing oil on his head and he's got this cloak of royal regal and he is, he's beautiful. And behind him are his sheep. And you're looking at the sheep and they are sick and mangy and don't have food. Do you think he's a good shepherd king? Religion wants to tell you that he's a good shepherd king. Religion wants to tell you that he might want to use some of those things to teach you something. I'm sorry. God is not afraid of access. He freaking well paved heaven with gold. It costs money for the kingdom to be advanced. Now, again, money does, don't let, if I have a lot or don't have a lot, that defines me. It doesn't. Your sense of value and what God has created, and I always say this, this is true prosperity. This is true prosperity is you have more than enough for you to walk out the purpose and desire that God has on your life. If you're a homeschool mom, like I am, and you need money to pay for your kid's curriculum, and you need to have desks for your little kid's school or whatever it is, God's going to make sure that you have enough to cover. And even if, you know, it's not dependent on my husband's paycheck to get those things to me, if that's a desire of my heart. If God has called me to do something, and I'm like, God, I'm going to believe you for A, B, and C, I don't care what the input is, I can believe you for that. But if you are, if you're a, I don't know, a Heidi Baker or a Joyce Meyer, and they they need thousands and thousands of dollars to be able to make sure that the, the ministries and the people's lives they're sowing into get, get accomplished, the work of the kingdom is going forward, then they need thousands of dollars. You know, it's like whatever you need to fulfill the calling of God where you are and be successful, you can access those things. I am so close, totally off what I was going to say, but anyway. Um, <clears throat> so saying about about the Godhead. Godhead pulls you into this, this beautiful love triangle. And he says, I want you to be a part of my family. And he pulls you into this love and he glorifies us, his body on the earth, so that he can be glorified. It's a pet peeve of mine. And this is just my opinion. Like Paul says in some of the words, you know, this might be just some of my opinion. This is not gospel truth. So this is my opinion. Somebody, you know, I say somebody sings well and I say to them, you know, you sing so well, and they say, oh, it's not me, it's Jesus. I want to be like, it was not that good. <laughs> Let's not get confused. But if you shine in something, you've got a gift in something, and somebody comes to you and says, man, Mr. Dentist, man, you do my teeth so well. You know what Mr. Dentist, man, needs to say is, I love the, the wisdom God's given me. It is, it is for his glory. I love the way he's designed me. He gave me these special techniques, and I'm just so excited that he uses me the way he does. When somebody teaches and somebody goes to them and says, man, I, thank you so much. You know what? I love doing this. I was driving back to my mom in the car the other day, and I said to her, I'm so excited to preach on Sunday. I'm just so excited. 
And I am. Something comes alive. I love doing it. I, 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 I feel his pleasure on me. You know, I heard somebody say once, what is your purpose? It's finding that thing that when you do it, you feel God's smile on you. I don't care what it is. Are you, is it cooking at Sur La Table? Is it, is, it, is it, you know, teaching at a Bible college? Is it being the banker? Is it being a, a teacher in a school or a, a music teacher? Whatever it is, when you do it and you just feel God's smile on you, then do it with all your heart and be the best in your field at that. If you need to take more music classes to get even better at your skill than what you're doing, then do it. Say, God, I want to I excel. You're going to help me to excel in what I do. If I don't have the money, gosh, I'm going to believe you for more money so that I can, I can become even more excellent in what I'm called to do. You're meant to be the best in your field that you are. You're meant to be the influences and the, and the light. All right. <coughs> now I'm switching just a little bit. I want you to say out loud, perfect love, perfect love. Casts, out fear. casts out fear. Again, perfect love, perfect love. Casts, out casts out fear. Bible says that fear has to do with punishment. Say, in Jesus, in Jesus. there's no punishment. And here's what I mean by this. We're going to start speaking about a subject that um, because of how different people have been raised, it brings up certain reactions of the heart. So I want you to be aware of that as we go on. I'm going to talk a little bit about the correction and the dealing of the Lord. Not speaking loud enough, sorry. The correction and the dealing of the Lord. Now, how many of you can honestly say that that brought up some (laughs) in you? A few years ago, that would have brought like, oh my gosh, where is she going to go? What is she going to do? But you know, when we speak about that God, you know, in the safety of the Godhead, there's this amazing atmosphere and unconditional love. And then Jesus scoops us up into that. In our spirit man, in our spirit being, which is what um, my brother touched on this morning, in our spirit being, we are perfectly made in God's image. He says he's even, he said eternity in our hearts. What is eternal life is to know the Father. In us, we have full access and ability to be in complete communion with Father. Now, that you are a three-part being, you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. Let me say that again. You are a spirit being, you have a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you live in a body. In order for eternity that is inside of your spirit man, that you have perfect access with Father, to come through your soul, to come through into the natural realm and be made manifest, if your spirit is perfect and the righteousness of God and made in the image of God, why do, why do we have so much funk? And when people look at us, they don't sometimes see Jesus. Because it has to come through the spirit man through the soul realm, out into the natural to be made manifest. And when Father adjusts and corrects us, 
Hebrews 10. Father loves his son, disciplines his son. All right? And when he, when he comes towards us to correct us, what he says is, child, whether it's daughters, uh, for me it's like sweetie, or Doug, it's buddy. <laughs> but he looks into our hearts and he says, you've forgotten who you are. You just forgot who you were. Your behaving or your attitude or whatever is A, B, and C, and you just forgot who you were. And I'm, we're going to work on this part here. But there's so much loving kindness and the, and the, the absolute undergirding arms of the correction is there is unconditional love. You know, so many people that I minister to have that, you know, if, God, if God's going to correct me and adjust me, oh, he might, I don't feel the love anymore. Where's the love? And God gave me an example this last week, and he, he said to me, Nicole, can you be separated from your DNA? And I was like, no. And he said, that would be like saying that I can be separated from my love. He says, my DNA is who I, your DNA is who you are. You know, people who, um, forensics. I mean, people can now know that a crime is committed by this one's fraternal twin. You know, just out of, like, blood. Out of DNA. And he's like, I can never, it is who I am. And he said, you cannot, because you did good yesterday, feel more loved than tomorrow because you kicked the cat and screamed at your mother and whatever. Now you're less loved. He says, because that would be like saying, well, I was God yesterday and less God tomorrow. He says, I am love. So when I move towards you to adjust your heart, I nev- my demeanor doesn't change. I'm not angry. I'm not hostile. And I don't boot you out for a while until you can sort yourself out and come back. Who of you know... <clears throat> that you cannot fix yourself. And how many of us know that there's been areas that we might be working on for a while and you finally, it's almost like Holy Spirit says, okay, I'll let you kind of fluster around there for a while in your own efforts. And when you get to the end of yourself, then I'm here. And you're like, I'll try be, I'm going to, I'm going to, for me, I'm going to stop yelling at my kids. I'm going to stop yelling, I'm going to stop yelling. And it's like, Jesus, by your grace, you're going to adjust my heart. And I have to lean on you heavily until I am like out of this soul pattern. But God is the one who shifts and changes. In those moments when I do something and he'll say, you just forgot who you were. Um. All right, so there's two, there's, well, there's more than two, but two of the things I'm going to touch on is some of the reasons why we do not handle correction easy. Number one is, as a child, if you were not disciplined by your parents at all, you kind of had the parent who, oh, just whatever you do goes. That is a very illegitimate way of raising a child because they think they can get away with everything. And how many of you know in the world... You cannot get away with things. You, you might be able to get away with it in your family. Like, for example, the one example 
the Lord really asked me to use today, which, and so it obviously might not relate to some people, is the area of time. Say, for example, you grow up in a family and you're used to being late. Everyone's late. Everyone does it. Your mom does it. Your dad does it. Just nobody's on time. And you go to school and people write you tardy notes or whatever. And, um, and then you leave school and you go get a job and you're late and you get fired. It's, it's an illegitimate way of raising children because the world is not like that, all right? There's boundaries. There's, there's, there's an instruction that comes. And then the other, the other side of that is, so there's the parent who doesn't, you know, discipline at all, doesn't care enough to discipline. And then there's the other parent who disciplines with the authoritarian, the criticalness and the harshness and, and the separation. So you do something wrong, you're going to get thrown around and, you know, you're not going to get spoken to for five days. So both of those areas, it, 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 come, it breathes that illegitimacy inside of our spurred being. And, you know, many times um, the, the different stages of, of correction by God, he will, he, he, and I would say normally, he will try and entreat you himself. He will speak to you himself. He'll try to get your attention by himself. Folks, God, Father, is such an honorable man. He's very, very honorable. He handles relationships honorably. So he will try and get your attention and speak to your heart. Now, if that doesn't get your attention, normally the next step of progression is people. People will then start saying to you, whether it's in a not-so-nice way or a nice way, I always pray, Lord, have mercy on me, and when I'm not listening to you, send people that are kind. Help me, Jesus, with kind people, you know. But it's like to be able to, um, you know, ha- have people sent your way who will you say, you know, Nicole, and I can tell you this, I've had plenty leaders in this church adjust my heart with kindness. And I've come to, this, I've come to the place where it is, it is something I really appreciate. If I've got people in my life that I love and I trust, and they're able to come to me and say, you know what, you're doing this, and it's really hurt me, or it's really not effective, and it's going to hurt somebody. I really welcome that, because I, I, I want to be somebody that he can trust, and that he can use no matter, no matter what my gifts are, no matter how, how people see me. It's like God, and that, it's like God helps to be humble. If you are one, and this is something that he wanted me to speak about, was he said, he told me, you know, if you're one who is marked by defensiveness, when people come to you, because if God can't speak to you, and people come to you and they, they, they speak to you about something in your heart and you're marked by excuses, and your first reaction is to throw up the wall, then that is a fruit of an illegitimate spirit. That's a fruit of an illegitimate way of thinking. And I would ask you to go back into your childhood and say, you know, what, what has led me to not be able to look at myself in the mirror, in, the, in, in God's word, to look at myself honestly and say, I'm allowed, to look at, I'm allowed to look and say, all right, is this true Holy Spirit? Because I go back to God. If somebody wants to adjust me, I go back to God and say, Lord, is this true? I want to know. And if it is true, to be able to go back and say, I'm so sorry. That was wrong, and I was wrong. But fear of rejection and fear of abandonment 
will stop you from doing that. And, you know, in the Beatitudes, it speaks about the pure of heart will see God. If you, and, and when, when God says, I am that I am, I am that I am, what you see on this side of me is who I am on this side of me. And in the church, we have these mosques. We have these faces. And I'm going to let you see what I want you to see. Because if you, and, and inward, if there's that illegitimacy, then it's, if I really let you have a look inside of who I really am, you're not going to like what you see. And that is that, that illegitimacy at work. And we have to, as children of a father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, remember, I am pulled up into the atmosphere where Father looks at me and says, despite everything that's been adjusted and, and fine-tuned in me, he looks at me and says, oh, you're so beautiful. I'm so proud. I love you. I created you such an amazing purpose. And it doesn't matter what you've been through, and it doesn't matter what you've done. I'm so proud. And we're going to get through this, and I'm going to help you. You know, when we think that we have to go and clean ourselves up, then come back. That's like a doctor saying, go get, go get healed. You come to the doctor, go get healed, and then come back, and maybe we'll talk. Or the kid that comes in the house and is dirty, and the mom says, you're dirty. Go get bathed. Go outside. You know, it's like, no, you, he came inside to get clean. He came inside to get bathed. That's us with God. He's like, come. I'm the only one who truly has the tools to adjust in a way that is eternal, that will bear fruit, that will, that will glorify in you who I am so that others will know who I am. And this is the image that he gave me this week. He said, Nicole, tell them that each of them, I have come before they were born, and I put my fingerprint on them. And I stood back and I went, oh, there's that part of me. There's that part of me. And if that part of me is not walking on the face of the earth on this time, a part of me is missing on the face of the earth. Because I have appointed everyone to look so different and be so different and express who he is in such a different way. And when you put everyone together, you're like, wow. What? Just like they do with each other. Wow. The cherubim. Holy, holy, holy. Wow. He's so beautiful. And he just turns ever so slightly. In other words, I turn ever so slightly. Wow, there's a new side of God. And when we can, you know, we speak often in this church about putting out the gold in each other, being able to look at each other through all the adjustments and all the jank and funk and be able to say, wow, I see gold. I see that there's some soil there. It's okay. God will, I see gold. So when it comes to God, now on the other side of that, God using you to be able to be a loving tool of correction to others, we are not called to be God's Holy Spirit police. 
don't you go around looking at faults in other people so that you can point it out. That's not the spirit of the Holy Spirit. You're operating in a spirit, and it ain't God. It takes, usually with me, when I, when I you know, see something, it should take us a long time before we even, like, I don't, I don't generally want to confront. And we should go back to God if we see something. God, do you want me to do anything about this? And hear from him, yes or no. And obey him. And if he wants you to do something about it, then do it. And if he doesn't, then get on your knees and pray. You know, Beatitudes, those who are merciful will, be mer- will have mercy. Trust me, you want as much mercy as you can get. I want as much mercy as I can get. I, I want to make sure, God, I want to be as merciful as I God. I heard once, um, Sherry Moore, a lady who is from Richmond, and I, I heard her say this one time, and man, it rocked my world. She said, I would rather be a prophet of mercy that is marked by mercy and God have to shake me to speak a word of judgment than be a prophet who is of judgment and God has to shake me to be merciful. Even in friendships and relationships that we are marked by mercy and humility. And then the other thing is, one of the last things is, you know, so God will speak to us himself we don't listen, God will bring others along. We don't listen, sowing and reaping. God doesn't come and backhand us. It's just the natural law of sowing and reaping. You will lose friendships. You will lose opportunities. Promotions that are called by God to come your way, you will have to go around the mountain again so that you can deal with those things. But it's like you, you will lose out. Okay, but also sowing and reaping, when you have sowed bad seed and you come into a true heart shift of repentance, Father, I'm sorry. I forgot who I was. And I don't want to do that. I want to, I, I, remind me of my righteousness. Remind me of who you are inside of me. And there's that shift. I have heard of so many stories, and I've been on the other end of it as well, where God will help you deal with the consequences. He will even redeem the consequences of what should have come your way. It's like whether it's debt being paid off, it happens so much quicker because now I'm going to pay this debt off. I'm sorry, I should not have. Living on debt is illegitimate living. Or sleeping around before you're married is not legitimacy. You get a virus. I've heard of so many people who have come into such repentance and God has healed their bodies. God can do it. You know, so it's like you sow, you reap. But when you sow even bad seed, the religious system says, well, you did it, you're going to pay. You're going to be punished. But when there's that repentance, God's like, honey, I'm going to come and I'm going to help you pay this off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step in. And this thing that should have come to you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enable you to just, you know, to come through it. Much better on the other side. Um, um, one more thing that God asked me to speak on was he said the worst thing about being deceived when you have that defensive spirit when you're deceived you're the last one to know it's like bad breath 
And so you think you're really, really, really right, but you're deceived, and that's that's really scary. And <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the and a real life example, my mom can attest to this, is when I was growing up, I was a pathological liar. Absolutely, I'd lie at the drop of a hat, and I was very good at it. And except my mother knew when I was lying. Everyone else I could fool, but my mother couldn't fool. And so she would say to me, Nicole, did you do this? No, mom. Nicole, did you do this? No, mom. Nicole, you, and after about 10 minutes of grueling, Nicole, did you do it? <laughs> yes, I did it. <laughs> I did it. And so my mom would say, it was always the same line. She would say, I'm going to spank you, not because you did it, but because you lied. There I got it. My goody two-shoes brother over here. She'd say to him, she'd say to him, well, Michael, did you do it? Yes, mom, I did. I'd be like, ah. <laughs> what's up with that? <sighs> Just lie, then we don't get in trouble, you know. But it's that, it's that ill, for me, something had been in my soul. Where I, didn't, I feared the rejection and the abandonment of, if you discipline me, I'm going to be in such big trouble and I'm not going to be connected emotionally. And that was so scary for me that I'd rather just lie. Well, I finally got to a place where it was the Lord's time to deal with me. And I got saved in college. And um, finally the Lord said to me, I'm going to start, I, I, I really want, he put his finger on me in that area. It's like, I'm going to, I want you to start dealing with this. I want to adjust you here. So what happened that week? I lied to Cindy. It's a true story, about 15 years ago. So I lied to her. And um, God said to me, I said, I'm, I'm dealing with you. Yes, Lord, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, Jesus, I lied to you. He goes, I want you to go tell her you lied. <laughs> go And go say you're sorry. I was like, oh my. So I was, I was mortified, but the Lord was dealing with me. So I went to her, I was like, Cindy, I, you know, I'm like, I'm so sorry I lied, you know. And of course, Cindy, honey, <laughs> it's okay. You know, rub the back and everything. I'm like, okay, I'm out of here. <clears throat> I've done good. I've repented. And so what happened the next week? I lied to Cindy again. Oh, oh gosh. God's like, going to tell you you lied. No. There's just no ways in hell I'm going to tell her that I lied again. I mean, it was just demoralizing. And he said to me, I've called you to be a speaker of truth. And if you cannot let me, by my grace, deal with this. You will always, he said, it will be like you have these glasses on, but they've got a line in them where the glass is broken. And what you think you see as truth is always slightly off because it's a spirit of deception. And he said, you can choose to walk in that deception because it's on your life, or you can choose to repent, humble yourself, and get rid of that thing. Well, I mean, I'm hyperventilating practically. Cindy, I lied. Oh, honey. (laughs) And of course, Cindy goes even further. Did I do something to make you think you needed to lie to me? No, woman. (laughs) Nothing to do with you. It's me. It's all me. And so, the, and you know what? God dealt with lying because trust me, I knew that if I lied, I would have to fess up 
God would make me go and tell that person. And, and I, I, it wasn't, well, I meant to say that he'd be like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. You didn't mean to say anything. You lied. And then, so I, I was like, God, put angels. I had this vision of these angels, one on this side and one on this side, with the bridle of my mouth. <laughs> that I would think before I spoke. Because it would just come out before I would even say it. And be lie. And then I have to be like, I'm so sorry. So God dealt with lying, but then he went further and he went, okay, now I want to deal with exaggeration. Because exaggeration is a form of lying. And I was like, why don't you just kill me now, you know? Because I was the master of storytelling. And of course, just to add a little bit of detail for humor is wonderful. And I was like, it's not wonderful, it's lying. I was like, so... I dealt with exaggeration. All I'm saying is, when God comes to you and it is the season to deal with a particular part of your heart, there is grace. And you can choose to co-labor with that grace, or you can choose to not. You will go around the mountain again and again and again. And you know what? There's a realm of glory that God wants you to grow in. And as soon as you've passed all the tests of that season then there's a higher realm of glory. And then you live on, on this realm. And then there's a higher. And it's, it's that when the, when the Holy Spirit, I've got two minutes more, the Holy Spirit's inside of you, comes through your, through your spirit, through your soul. I see the soul like a spongy-like dimension. And as the living water comes through into your soul, it has to pass through your soul to be made manifest. And what does the Bible say? The word says, the earth groans, for the sons of man to be what? Made manifest. To be revealed. What is on the inside of you needs to come on the outside of you. And to the level that you allow Holy Spirit, what is on the inside of you, that pure living stream of life and heaven, to come through the soul. In other words, you take you take account of your stuff and you allow the Lord in his loving kindness and just grace to be able to work through and adjust some of those areas of your soul so that it can manifest so that when people look at you, they see Jesus. Do you understand that you, some of you, are the closest thing that people are going to see to Jesus in their whole lives? That can be a very scary thought. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But God wants us to have that glory. And then for us, when other people get around us, we're pulled into the love triangle. All right. So I'm going to pray for God to, in moments where he is adjusting us, whether it be deception whether it be selfishness because we talk too much and we don't let other people talk, whether it be overspending, addictions, whatever it is, whatever God is putting his finger on, that there's a grace to deal. Father, I thank you for who you are and how close you always are, that you never leave us or forsake us, you are always kind to us. God, thank you that you are kind enough to draw us out into areas and lovingly adjust. And that it's simply remind us again that when you say, 
we just forgot who you were. That we can lean upon your grace. And we don't have to be defensive. Thank you, Lord, that we see ourselves in the light of who you are and we're drawn towards you. I pray for grace and I thank you for perfect love that casts out all fear in our midst. And I thank you that you are you, you're purifying us, that who we say we are is who we are. And that we're not afraid to be loved and we're not afraid to love. And I pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.